Before we jump into our message this morning, I just want to acknowledge uh, what took place uh, this week in our nation's capital. Uh, I think a lot of us feel uh, the tension over what's been going on in our country for quite a while, and certainly uh, what happened this week um, was, was tough to watch and um, perhaps even creates more uh, of the potential for anxiety, perhaps a potential in your heart for fear. And I just wanted to take a moment and remind you of who we actually serve. We serve a God who is in total control. And what has been happening, what happened this week, what's coming this week, what's happening, uh, going to happen this year, uh, is not going to catch God by surprise. And I wanted to just read this. Uh, this was a, a passage from Isaiah that a friend of mine sent to me just as an encouragement this week. And I love the way it starts out. Of course, you know, uh, God's people at different times uh, went through hardship. And, and uh, we're in environments with governments that uh, were far from uh, interested in what God uh, was interested in. So it starts out, comfort, O comfort, my people, says your God. This is Isaiah chapter 40. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Fits in well with what we're talking about with this pathway analogy. Let every valley be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. Let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed. Who has measured the waters in the hall of his hand and marked off the heavens by the span and calculated the dust of the earth by the measure and weighed the mountains in a balance and the hills in a pair of scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? Or as his counselor has informed him. You ever have days like you feel like you want to inform God? With whom did he consult? And who gave him understanding? And who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? There may be uh, something inside of us that wants things to be different or that maybe wants to give counsel to God on where uh, things in the world should go. But verse 15 says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are regarded as a speck of dust on the scales. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been declared to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in? He it is who reduces rulers to nothing, who makes the judges of the earth meaningless. Scarcely they have been planted, scarcely they have been sown, scarcely they have their stock taken root in the earth, but he merely blows on them and they wither, and the storm carries them away like stubble. Listen to this, verse 26, chapter 40 of Isaiah. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars. The one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. 
because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert? I read this in the, in the NIV. This is out of New American. I read this out of the NIV, and the word complain is there. Why do you complain? That hit me. That hit me. Why do you complain? My way is hidden from the Lord, and the justice due me escapes the notice of my God. Do you not know, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. He gives strength to the weary, and to him who lacks might, he increases power. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men may stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we can pause just for a moment and be reminded from your word that you're in control. Even when the world around us seems chaotic, it seems out of control, uh, your hand is upon it all. And it's your story. You're writing the story. And Lord, you're taking the story to where you want it to go. And so we, uh, we are a very small part of that story. We recognize that with humility. And we want to ask God that you would help us to trust you. That you would help us, give us the faith we need to trust you every single day, no matter what. Good, bad, fun, not fun. In all of it, God, we give you honor and glory because that's what you deserve, and we trust you to write your story in our lives and in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been around Grace Fellowship long enough to know, uh, you've heard a number of my sermons, you know it's no secret that my family, we love the beach, right? We, we love the sun, we love the sand, we love the oceans and the waves, uh, it's where we find uh, peace and relaxation when we go on vacation. There's one thing, though, I don't super enjoy about the ocean, being in the ocean. It's, it's the drifting. I'm not a huge fan of the drifting. Drifting is, is when the waves pull and push you uh, away from your original entry point. That's why when you're in the ocean, and if you're not paying attention after about 10 minutes of being in the ocean... Uh, and you look up at the shore, you're no longer in front of your beach chair anymore, right? That's drifting. And if you don't fight the current, if you don't constantly uh, keep a reference point of where your beach chair is and your entry point, if you're not paying attention to that, uh, and you just kind of let the ocean do what the ocean's going to do, uh, you're going to drift farther and farther away from where you started. I think that is true in relationships. It's certainly true in marriages. You know, on your wedding day, everything was perfect, right? On your wedding day, everything was perfect. You could not imagine. You looked at that person, right? You stood here, they stood there, you looked at them in the eye. You could not imagine your life without that person. What happens if you don't make a continual effort in that marriage? What happens? Well, over time, you drift farther and farther apart. And the same thing happens 
with God. Drifting can happen in our relationship with God. I'm not going to ask you to confess this to the people in this room or even at home and the people in your living room with. You don't have to confess out loud if you don't want to. But I wonder if you have been closer to God sometime in the past than you are right now. I wonder if that would be true of you. I wonder if you could look back and and remember that time when you first trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your forgiver of sin, your Savior from hell. You wanted to live a Jesus-centered life. You got baptized. You were at church at every opportunity that the doors were open. You read your, you read your Bible every day. And not just like to get it off of your checklist, man. You, you were reading your Bible and you wanted it to change you. You were looking for ways to apply what you were reading to your everyday life. You couldn't wait for next Sunday to roll around so you could be among God's people, so you could give God worship. Your prayer life was intimate. Your prayer life was consistent. You wanted to do the right thing, even when it was the hard thing. And then somewhere along the way, you stopped making the effort, and life just kind of took you along, and you drifted farther and farther away from God. Our theme verse is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And if you haven't already started working on memorizing it, again, I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to memorize these two verses. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him or submit to Him, and He will make your paths straighter. You might have the phrase, He will direct your paths. Whichever version you want to work on, memorize that, uh, those two verses as we work through this series. The image of this path that God directs us on, uh, that's what we want to have not only in our mind, but that's what we want to have in our heart as we think about a relationship with God, that He's directing our paths. And how does that happen except that we are trusting Him to guide our steps, that we're not doing our own path, that we're taking the path that God has carved out for us. There is a path in life that is going to lead you to joy, to to satisfaction, to contentment, to peace. God is the one who marks out that path. And you find that path by trusting God with your whole heart, not just for eternal life, but for your everyday life. And there's this other path, and, and it runs parallel to the path of wisdom for a while. But then after a while, slowly, sometimes over many, many miles, it begins to drift off the path of wisdom. We call that the fool's path. And it leads us into places that are far away from God. Now, if you were on the path of wisdom and you saw an exit sign that says the fool's path, or you saw an exit sign uh, that said, uh, this, this road will lead you far away from God, your distance from God. Would you take it? Well, sitting here, you know, like on your wedding day, right? On your wedding day, you look across, there's no way that we will ever be apart. Would you take it? And yet it happens, right? We would say to each other, well, no, I wouldn't take that exit. I wouldn't take the exit to the fool's path, and yet it happens all the time. 
in the lives of Christians. How does it happen? Check this verse out. It'll be kind of our theme for today. The, the overall, this will be like the umbrella of all the stuff we're going to look at today. Hebrews 2.1. It's on the screen. Look it up. Write it down. Hebrews 2.1 says, We must pay more careful attention to what we have heard. Why? When we talk about what we've heard and within the context of, of uh, this passage in Hebrews, uh, the gospel, what, do we, what have we heard about the Word of God? What do we know about God and, and His expectations? What do we know? Uh, you've been taught certain things, and he's saying in Hebrews 2.1, you've got to pay more careful attention to that. Why? Because if we don't, we risk drifting away. That's how it happens. Drifting away from God happens when we don't pay attention to what we know to be true from the Word of God. We just let the, the current of life carry us along without continually making this effort to stay close to God. If, if there's, a, if there's a, a space of distance between you and God, right? God, you, and that space of distance is widening, who moved? God didn't move, did he? God doesn't move. God doesn't move. So if you would say, you know what, Pastor, if, if I was being honest, I, I would say, yeah, there, there was a time in the past I could look back to and say I was closer to God then than I am now. And we're the ones who moved. This morning what I'd like to do, I'm going to start off by helping us to identify some of these exit signs. We're on the path of wisdom that's the path that leads to joy, satisfaction, contentment, peace in life. That's the one we want to be on. But there are these exit signs that sometimes tempt us. And, and it looks like that road is running parallel for a while, but it always leads to drifting farther and farther away from God. And if we can recognize some of these exit signs, maybe we can avoid taking these exit signs that take us to the fool's path. First of all, let me go back and talk about the path of wisdom. We get on the path of wisdom by trusting Jesus Christ alone as our Savior, right? Well, the default path that we are on before we get on that path of wisdom, that default path that every one of us is on before we trust Christ leads to eternal separation from God. And we just want you to know, whether you're in the room or whether you're at home, that here at Grace Fellowship, we pray for you every week that you would take this step of faith, trusting Christ alone as your forgiver, Christ alone as your rescuer from sin and hell, trusting Christ alone to be the centerpiece in your life, to lead you on the straight path towards wisdom. And if you are ready to take that step of faith, you want to be able to help you with that, uh, you can reach out to one of our pastors. You can even start right now by clicking on the I'm Ready button. It's uh, on the same page as the live stream on our website. It's, uh, it's also in the digital notes. There's a link there for it, the I'm Ready button. It'll give you some really good information of some next steps you can take towards faith in Christ alone. But I want to say this to those of you in, in the room, those of you at home that have already put your faith in Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, how do you make sure, how do we make sure that we don't drift away from God? We want to identify these exit signs this morning that lead to the fool's path. Okay, here's the first one. 
on the fool's path. First, first exit sign, neglect your time with God. Watch for that exit sign. Don't get off that one, right? Neglect your time with God. Psalm 63, join me. We've got like five of these we're going to look at. I've got five verses we're going to have you take a look at. Jump in there with me. Psalm 63, verse 1. David writes this psalm, and he writes this, O God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. When David wrote that, if you look at the top of that, uh, that psalm, there's a little bit of information. and It lets us know David wrote this when he was in the desert of Judah. He used his physical experience of thirst to express his spiritual desire, his spiritual need to be close to God. I remember a time uh, as a family, we were driving through the desert in Arizona. I think we were headed towards Phoenix. And uh, when we finally got to Phoenix, uh, it was 101. I remember seeing the sun, 101 degrees in Phoenix and it felt cool, right? So that's, it was hot in the desert as we were driving, uh, driving there, and it got so hot that our vehicle could not keep up, the air conditioning couldn't keep up, and it, and it stopped working. And so we rolled our windows down, and the air coming in at 60, 70, whatever, I don't know what, I wasn't driving, I don't know what speed we were going, but whatever the speed was, uh, with that air coming in, it felt like a convection oven, it was miserable, and, and we had run out of water at some point, you know, because we're not just drinking it. We're pouring it on ourselves. We didn't think ahead too far, I don't think. So we're, you know, we're just trying to stay cool and, and not die, and we finally made it to a rest stop, and I can remember getting out and getting a drink of water and just cooling off, and it was just so refreshing. It was an amazing feeling. When you read what David wrote here in this first verse of Psalm 63, is that how you feel about your time with God? Is that how you would describe your time with God? Like, this is the highlight of my day, my time alone with God. Nothing else in my day is as is, is refreshing and as amazing as my time alone with God. Is that how you would describe it? Do you feel this desperate need inside you, this, this incredible desire to be with God on a daily basis? Or is your time with God more of an afterthought, more of an add-on once you get everything else accomplished? If you want to end up drifting far away from God, then take the exit. Don't stick to that one-year reading plan that you started last week. Just give up now. Don't come to church, don't watch the live stream, don't get involved in ministry, don't join a grace group, don't pray, don't do any of this stuff. Just take the exit and ignore God, and you will drift farther and farther away from God. That's one of the exit signs. Here's another one. Um, another exit sign says, hang around with the wrong people. Be careful of that one. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, check this out with me, go to the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33 says, don't be fooled by those who say such things, here's what I want you to see, for 
Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Pastor Craig Rochelle of Life Church put it this way. He said, it is impossible to live the right life when you have the wrong friends. That's, that's profound. If you want to drift far away from God, if that's what you want, then don't spend time with people who are living a Jesus-centered life because they might hold you accountable. They might tell you what you need to hear instead of what you want to hear. They might influence you to be more like Jesus. Now, if you want to drift far away from God, then take the exit, hang, off, hang out with ungodly people. Not, not so you can share the gospel with them, mind you, but so that you don't have to feel any of that pressure to live the standards that God expects of us as followers of Christ. You want to drift far away from God? Date someone who does not love Jesus. Better yet, marry someone who either does not know Christ as their Savior or who is not interested in pursuing a deeper relationship with Christ. That'll make following Jesus super hard and uncomfortable if that's what you're looking for. Hanging out with the wrong people is an exit path to the fool's path, and it's going to lead you farther and farther away from God. Here's another exit sign to be careful of. Watch for this one. We're going to call it giving in to temptation. Giving in to temptation. Check this out in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look at verse 14. Temptation comes from our own desires, our own sinful, evil desires. What do they do? Well, it says here that they entice us. And if we let them, it will, I love this, uh, this phrase, it's so graphic, drag us away. These desires give birth to, a, to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, if we just keep with it and keep at it and don't repent, what happens? Well, it gives birth to death, spiritual death. If, if you want to drift far away from God, then, then take the, the exit off the path of wisdom. Don't fight back against temptation. Just give in to it over and over and over again. Make sure you rationalize your sin. Make sure you uh, have all kinds of good excuses for your sin. I can't help it. This is just the way I am. I'm just going to ask God to forgive me and keep doing it. I have a real hard time saying no to cookies. I'll admit it. It's a temptation of mine that I often give in to. I, I walked in to the church building uh, this week uh, in the side door, and when I walked in, it was in the morning, I walked in, and uh, there was this red Tupperware filled with cookies sitting down here. Didn't know who it belonged to, didn't know who made them, didn't know why it was there, knew nothing about these cookies, so I ate one. <laughs> Seems like the right thing to do. It was good. It was a good cookie. Uh, 
Later on, I thought, you know, if someone wanted to murder me, it'd be the perfect crime, right? Here's what we do. We, uh, we make some cookies, some poison cookies, and we just put them in his pathway. All you have to do is put them somewhere where he'll come across them. He can't resist. He'll eat the cookie. Be dead in an hour. It'll be the perfect crime. I have the same problem at home. You know, if there's cookies in the cupboard, I have a hard time saying no to them. But here's, here's a different strategy that would probably be better than the one that I presently use. I mean, yeah, I can say no to the cookie, or I can, uh, I can say no to, like, eating six at a time, right? And, and I could do that, but a better strategy would be not to buy the cookies in the first place, right? A better strategy be, would be don't go down the cookie aisle in the first place. Then you won't buy them. Then they won't be in your house. There are guardrails that you and I can and should put up in our lives to help us say no to temptation. Like not putting ourselves in certain situations that are tempting. Like go back to the other point. Hang out with good friends, not bad friends. Friends that are going to want to live like, like Jesus, not ones that, that have no interest in a Jesus-centered life. And I'm like you, I'm, I'm so thankful for God's grace. I'm incredibly thankful uh, for God's forgiveness, right? 1 John 1, 9 is a promise that I'm so thankful for that when we repent, when we confess our sin, that, that God is faithful he's ju- and just, he'll, he's willing to forgive us and cleanse us. I'm thankful for that. But giving in to temptation over and over and over and over Eventually, what does that cause? It causes this drift away from God. Here's another one. Watch for this exit sign. Love the world more than you love God. That'll take you away from God. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. John writes, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Verse 16, the world offers only craving for physical pleasure, a craving or a desire for everything that we see and and pride in our achievements and possessions. These aren't from the Father. They're from the world. This world's fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live Ever. If you want to drift farther and farther away from God, take the exit off the path of wisdom and just stay focused on everything that this world has to offer. Never, ever think about eternity. That'll take you far away from God. You know, pick a hobby. Pick a hobby and make it your world. Pick a hobby and make it your life. Let it disconnect you from God. Watch like constantly watch HGTV and just let your heart be consumed with hate for your own home. All right? Just have this uh, belief inside you. I've got to make my home better or Joanna Gaines will never want to be my friend. And those of you who don't know who Joanna Gaines is, she is taking over HGTV. Get yourself into crushing debt. So you can have everything this world has to offer. Let your heart be consumed with jealousy towards those people that you see on social media who have all the things that you wish you had. 
See, what happens when we fall in love with this world more than we love God? It will cause our hearts to drift farther and farther away from Him. It's kind of like in that marriage uh, illustration we started with. If you're, if you're paying more attention to your phone, more attention to your hobbies, more attention to your job, your fantasy football team, even your kids' activities, if you pay more attention to these other things than you do to your spouse, then you will have drift in your marriage. Same thing will happen in your relationship with God. One more. There's another exit sign to be careful of. Uh, This one says, go through the motions of spiritual activity. Just go through the motions. You don't have to actually do anything with it. You don't have to really super be into it. Don't be one of those like weird Christians that actually does what the Bible says, right? Just go through the motions of spiritual activity. um, Isaiah Isaiah 29, verse 13, the Lord says this, These people say they are mine, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They have drifted far away from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Jesus said this to a church, like people who were gathering in a church in the city of Sardis, Jesus said this to them in Revelation chapter 3. He says, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. Spiritually, you're dead. It's like the opposite of what David wrote in Psalm 63. Remember Psalm 63, verse 1, where David says, My whole being longs to be with you. I have this incredible desire, like this like a, a thirst in the desert to be close to you. That's what he said in Psalm 63. This is like the opposite, just going through the motions of spiritual activity. You go to church, right? You got baptized, you go to youth group, you do this stuff, you sing some songs. You have a reputation for being a Christian or a churchgoer, but are you living a Jesus-centered life? You want to drift far away from God. Listen, you don't have to be a disgusting degenerate. Just just take the exit path off the path of wisdom and bake it on Sunday and have fun on Friday. You know, when you're around the people that you go to church with on Sunday, you know, clean up your language a little bit. Throw around some Christian words, you know, nod when the pastor preaching, oh yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And then when you're around your co-workers or your friends from school, these people in your life that don't know Jesus, man, let it rip. If you just go through the motions of spiritual activity, but you don't really want to live a Jesus-centered life, you will drift farther and farther away from God. Now, maybe at this point you're like, I do not like this sermon. I wish he would just tell some cat jokes and make me feel good about myself. Go back to that. Do that. Ironically, I do want you to feel good. I just want you to feel good about the right things. I want you to feel good about your relationship with God. Hebrews 2.1, we must pay more careful attention to what we have heard, to the truth of God's word, so that we do not drift away from him. 
Guys, we're not going to feel good about ourselves. We're not going to feel good about our lives if we look up one day and we realize that we have drifted farther away from God than we ever imagined that we could. And then we look around like, how in the world did I get way over here? How did that happen? It's because we weren't paying attention to what we know to be true. Little by little, that path, that exit that we took, has been drifting us farther and farther away from God. Well, what's the solution to that? Maybe that's where you're at, you're right, and you're like, yeah, I, you asked me that question. Was I closer to God sometime in my past than I am now? Yes. Okay, what do we do about that? How do we fix that? How do we repair that? Well, Jesus said something to uh, another group of Christians, another church in, in Ephesus. And I want you to look at this. Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, he, he challenged these Christians in the church in Ephesus. Who That's what had happened to them. Their hearts had drifted farther and farther away from God, and he called them out on it. Revelation 2, verse 4, he says, he talks about some good things. They've worked hard. Right? If you look at verse 2, uh, I've seen your hard work. You've been patiently enduring the things uh, going on in your lives. Right? You don't tolerate evil people. You're, you're careful with the word. They're doing some good things, but look at verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me. You don't love each other, and you don't love me the way you used to. Your hearts have drifted. Look how far you have fallen. Look how far, if I could put it this way, look how far you have drifted away from me. Okay, what's the solution? The solution is turn back to me. Okay, you've been drifting in this direction. Turn around. That's repentance. Repentance is to recognize you've been going the wrong direction. You turn around. You don't keep going in that direction. You turn around and come back. Turn around. Come back to me and do the works, do the things that you did at first. If you don't repent, then I'm going to come and remove your lampstand, your, your, your light of influence from its place among the churches. Repent and return. Admit you're on the wrong path. Don't make excuses about it. Don't rationalize it. Just admit it. I've drifted far from God. I don't want to be here. Turn around and come back. Keep Doing the things that, that you need to do to stay on the path of wisdom. All the stuff that we talked about. Don't get off these exit signs of neglecting God and hanging out with the wrong people. And Ask God to forgive you. Trust in His grace. Trust in His power to change your heart. You know, David, the guy who wrote Psalm 63, the guy that said, my heart, uh, my soul... It longs for you, Lord, like, like thirst in the desert. You know that guy? He's also the guy that his heart drifted so far from God at one point in his life that he, that he had a sexual relationship with a woman who was married, not to him, and then he arranged the death of that woman's husband. You want to talk about a pretty, a pretty bad drift? He didn't stay there. He didn't stay there. If you go to Psalm 51, what did, what did David do about this drift in his life? Well, he repented and he returned. 
you go to Psalm 51, I'm going to read just a couple different verses out of there with you. David writes, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion. Blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Verse 7, Purify my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You've broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Watch this, verse 12, really important. And make me willing to obey you. Make me willing to obey you. Maybe that needs to be the prayer of your life. Maybe that needs to be the prayer of your heart this morning. We talked about these exit signs that, that lead off the path of wisdom. Maybe you've taken one. Okay. Well, now it's time to get back on the right path. Now it's time to repent. Now it's time to return. You know, there is no denying that our world is getting closer and closer to the known end revealed to us by God in His Word. And I'm not presuming or claiming to know the timing of God. I don't. But I know what the end looks like. I know what the end looks like because God has revealed it to Men like the Apostle John, men like the prophet Daniel. He's revealed the known end of where it's all going, where the story, the last chapter. We know the last chapter and what that's going to look like. And what God has promised is going to happen will happen. At some point, it will happen that Jesus will return, that the earth will end and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. All of that stuff that God has promised and revealed to us about the final chapter of his story for the earth is going to happen. And unless God pumps the brakes on things of, of where we're at, because the acceleration pedals down right now for sure, unless God pumps the brakes, that tribulation period that's revealed in the book of Revelation, and it is casting a darker and darker shadow footprint into our world, our present world, by the day. But even if God were to pump the brakes and say, you know what, it's not yet time, and he may, there's still a reality that I know to be true about your life and my life. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not. None of us are. And I say all of that to say this. Do not wait to trust Christ as your Savior. Do not wait to start living a Jesus-centered life when things get better, when the pandemic's over, when life isn't as busy as it is now, when I retire. Whatever it is that you have been saying, I'm going to put off living a Jesus-centered life until... You, whatever you fill in the blank with. Don't stop doing that. 
stop waiting. Because time's running out one way or the other for us. God wants you to have a life of contentment and satisfaction and joy and peace. He wants you to have eternal life on the other side of this one. And that's only found through faith in Christ alone. It's only found through this path of wisdom that God has carved out for us. And so if you've been drifting off of it, get back on it. If you've been closer to God in the past than you are today, if you've been drifting farther and farther away from God, do not take one more step down the fool's path. Don't do it. And return. That's the solution to a drifting heart.